Testing, testing, one, two, three, 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 three. I don't know what I've been told. This podcast is good as gold. We leave the way, we lead the pack. This is Backlook Cinema talking Smack. I'm your host, Zoe. That's Z-O or Z-O for those outside of the U.S. It's the 117th episode. Thank you for downloading and streaming. We really appreciate it. We watch movies that I love when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s and talk about my favorite parts. And I give you my son Zach's impressions, except for this movie. It, it's a little <laughs> too touchy-feely for Zach. So he skipped out on this particular movie. And if you like what you're about to hear, please tell your family, tell your friends, tell all your neighbors, tell your favorite naval aviator about our humble little show, Backlick Cinema, the podcast. Now, I have a special treat for you. As promised, I have a, another special guest. And she is a force to be reckoned with, a purveyor of not one but two podcasts. And you can't go wrong with either of them because both of them are charming and delightful ladies gentlemen and people of all genders may i introduce to you one half of give me a bake and two chicks talking flicks podcasts i give you the sensational sarah (laughs) what an introduction thank you i finally got it right uh i've been i've been messing up on every uh on the introductions lately. I mean, people generally like their introductions, but uh, I'll mess up for myself because, like, I mean to push the applause button. I forget to push the applause button. Mm-hmm. So I have to add the effect afterwards. And so when you don't press the applause button, then people don't get the full effect of my welcome. I want people to feel welcome. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yesterday we were recording and um, I have a roadcaster. And so it has pre programmed buttons. And, uh, I always hit the wrong one, but at this <laughs> particular time, I hit a button and it didn't do anything. And we like talked about it. And then I realized we couldn't hear it because the volume was down. So I put it up and I hit a different button and it was the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and it was perfect. So Right, right, right. Yeah. And then I did an applause later and I hit the right one and it was great. So right, I feel you. Yeah, when when I talked to you earlier about being able to allow my guests to hear certain things, uh, that's because I got a Zoom 4, I think it's called a Zoom P4, I forget what it's called. Anyway, it's a Zoom thing, and it's it's more like a, a portable version of, of, the, of the recording device, so you mm-hmm. can record on it, and you can program up to four, count them four, pre-recorded sounds to play during your uh, recording or whatever. So the neat thing about it is that it's portable, but, um, and I thought I'd be doing a lot of portable type of <laughs> podcasting, but haven't really been able to do that yet because I'm chicken. So, mm. uh, being chicken is, is a huge factor in being able to record people in public. See, my big idea was I would go to a movie and then as people are exiting the theater or the, you know, that we all watch the same movie, I would ask uh-huh. them their opinions about the movie and i've only been able to do it a couple of times this is before i got the p4 i've only been able to do it a couple of times i would record on my phone but mm-hmm. i'm always super nervous like during the interview with certain people and then like even just approaching people would you like to do an interview for my podcast it's like it doesn't even sound right <laughs> yeah same i had the exact same idea right and i actually um emailed 
a local theater and I never heard back from them. Right. Cause we wanted to do the same thing. Right. Um, mine, it's not port, like it's portable. It's not as small as yours. Um, it's like, we'd have to plug in, but I even looked up getting like extra, um, covers for my microphone so I can Lysol them in between and change them out. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to do the exact same thing. So, <laughs> You're not alone. Right, right, right. So it, it's just basically getting over the chicken factor. And um, mm-hmm. and we're both of us, I believe, are slowly working through it. We will get there someday. <laughs> it's, it's just approaching one person, one stranger at a time. They're not going to bite us. They're not going to kill us. What are we afraid of? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should have your son do it. Have no, he hates approach it. He, he hates oh, he it. Hates he it. hates it. It's not like he's afraid. He's not afraid. He just hates that I do it. It's like mm. w- when you're, uh, he's 26 years old, but I, I still manage to embarrass him. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, let, let me ask you a few questions. My, my questions are basic. Uh, they're okay. not sophisticated. My audience knows this. They know that I'm not Barbara Waters. I'm not going to hit. I don't have any hard hitting questions. Just, just the obvious ones. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it chill. So the first question I ask, I'll, I'll ask, my first obvious question is, how long have you and April known each other? Oh, um, since probably like 2013, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, I was actually her boss uh, at the company we both worked for. And um, we've actually worked together at different places this is our third time. And so now she works where I work. And um, yeah, we first we started off with trivia. And that was our thing. We would go to trivia days or trivia nights at restaurants. But the pandemic kind of put a kibosh on it. Right. And so we started doing our podcast in 2020. And so okay. we just have fun. Awesome. That's interesting that you should mention trivia. I just got a invitation to join this other podcast on on a they're doing like a trivia tournament i, I guess they're, yeah i guess they're uh I, and i'm not great at trivia i forgot the name of the podcast but i could uh send you uh their uh their at on twitter and then maybe mm-hmm. you can contact them if you're interested in, in participating but uh it was it was one of the few times I, somebody reached out to me out in the blue to you know, do a, a project like this. I was like, sure, mm-hmm. let's, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. I, I'm super, I'm super bad at trivia. <laughs> so, it's like, if well, it's outside of star Wars and star Trek, or perhaps even comics, I'm, uh, after that, uh, it's, it's a little Lucy. <laughs> is it movie trivia? Well, there are movie podcasts. So I imagine oh, okay. it's going to be a lot of movie trivia. Oh, and yeah. the funny, and the funny thing is that, Trivia is one of the things on this podcast. Like I, I look up trivia, I have a lot of trivia, but I don't retain that knowledge. As soon as I regurgitate it, it, it just, it's gone, right? I, mm-hmm. I I may retain like one or two things from a particular movie, but after that, it's I've forgotten most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, that's good. It's good to have. Uh, she's not a lifelong friend, but she's a very important friend. We've known each mm-hmm. other for a while, so that's pretty good. It's it's good to have these long term relationships as a matter of fact it's like you you found her later in your life and so mm-hmm. you've disproven the notion of having no new friend you found a new friend I did. <laughs> so I did. Um, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it took a bit, but I did. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so are there movies that she loves that you absolutely won't watch or vice versa? Yes. Um, she really is into more of, okay, so we had April's month of movies. That's right. what we just did. Uh, and yesterday is, was the last one. I know it's past April. Um, there was some circumstances. Uh, but she wanted to do the Royal Tenenbaums um, yesterday. Uh, Idiocracy and um, Ready Player One. Those would not be the movies I would choose. <laughs> um, I would choose like comedies that aren't like whimsical. I, I guess I would say like she likes more out there stuff. Right. right. Um, so things about like other worlds or parallel universes or aliens, things right. like that. Um, she has wanted to do Lord of the Rings. And I was like, I just can't. I can't do Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right, right. So I your tastes are more grounded than hers is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what what about movies that you I mean so but you you have watched some of these. You've watched like the World Ten of Bombs, you watched the uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not like you won't watch them. It's yeah. you just hesitant to watch something like that. But something so, like Lord of the Rings, you just won't watch. Right, right. Okay, like right. but there's movies that I want to watch that she doesn't want to. So we haven't watched them yet. Um good example, Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. Oh my goodness, that's a classic. I know. And I don't understand why she won't watch it. <laughs> it's weird. Man, uh, it's that when uh, I hadn't seen, I, like, I'm a real huge fan of Robin Williams. I, I liked him in, uh, like, my favorite thing ever was when he's in Mork and Mindy. And then mm-hmm. there was um, some of the, like, his, his comedy, his uh, stand up comedy was, it just has me rolling on the floor. But I hadn't watched most of his movies, so it's that one and maybe one other movie, Robin William movie that I watch. And uh, I need to get on watching some more of his movies because most of them are classics, like Good Morning Vietnam. I really want to watch that one. That's a good one. Um, One movie that I wanted to have us watch, uh, because we both worked um, at a store that had a photo lab. And I wanted to do one hour photo with Robin Williams. Have you ever seen it? I haven't seen it, but I, I get the gist that he's not a friendly person in that one. Well, he has watched this family grow, like from when they were together, had a kid, the kid is growing up and he has like created this weird bond through their photos after all these years. And he gets a little clingy and stalkerish <laughs> right right i thought it'd be a fun movie since we both worked in a photo lab but she we haven't watched it yet so yeah i'm pretty sure that she could it's something that she could watch is i'm sure that you've watched movies that she was resistant to that when she watched it she was like glad that she watched it or she acknowledged it was a good movie yeah like i will suffer through crappy movies uh, if she doesn't like a movie, she'll just start reading her phone, and I can kind of always tell when she's not into it. <laughs> she's checking out. <laughs> yeah, and then it makes it makes it really hard to discuss a movie. Right, right, like, right, right, right. I'm not into it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so um, 
So I, I imagine she's tried to get you to watch Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. She loves Star Trek. Or Star Wars, sorry. She's a huge Star Wars fan. Right, right. And um, we haven't watched them yet. Right. <laughs> um, I'm, I've been putting it off mainly because... I won't get her to shut up. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> we're going to have to get someone who is a huge Star Wars fan like her so they can just talk and maybe I'll go like make a sandwich or something. No, I, me too. I am I'm a Star Wars fan and uh, I can do that. I can do that okay. work. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them. So. Right, 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 right. You have, you have your pick of the litter on Star Wars. So um, my last question uh, well, maybe not my final question, but it, the, the one that I wrote down. <laughs> so we, what was first? Was it uh, the baking pod or was it the movie pod? So it's the movie pod was first. And right. the baking, we don't do it anymore. Um, we really enjoy it. And actually, I think we like it more than the movie podcast. Um, but there's two issues. One, she doesn't want to to bake hard stuff and so it makes it difficult right uh and she doesn't want dough and stuff under her fingers <laughs> so. it's kind of the thing that's it's almost yeah well actually you can get around that you can wear the uh the gloves if she's not allergic to the the plastic gloves the, yeah uh, she was like i need to get some baking gloves right and I was right, like, right there's baking gloves and i forget so, it's uh polyurethane gloves or, or yeah, something like yeah. that um medical gloves yeah she and and that's a way of getting around it you know that that's what the uh the kitchen workers use at school <laughs> yeah and so um just the logistics like normally what we would do is she would make something and then we would make it right. so she could kind of see the difference right but we don't always have time to do that and so we would have to make it before but then she couldn't see how we did it to right. try and teach her also, she doesn't care to bake. Like, she doesn't want to. <laughs> so she'll do it here, but it's right. not like she's going to go home and practice. Right, right. So there's no real incentive for her. Um, it's just fun for us to talk about the failure of it. Right, right, right. So and it's uh, mainly like uh, like bread and uh, cakes and pies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, we were doing it mostly... So we could bake something and then just complain about our week or talk about funny things that happen just so our listeners from our other podcast could get to learn it, learn to get to know us a little bit right, more. Right, right, right. Um, you know, though we do air out a lot of stuff on the other podcast too. So really right. there's no need, but that's why <laughs> I've been uploading those episodes on our main podcast just right. to kind of have people hear them so or, or perhaps uh you know instead of having her like bake something on your own you just do a show where you're baking something together and you can kind of fold that into the movie podcast like you're making yeah. snacks with a movie podcast or something like that yeah we've thought of that too um i know we want to do ratatouille and there's a french like brunch bistro place here so we were gonna go there and have brunch and then watch the movie but we could also like make french toast while we right 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 do the movie so right yeah i i dabble in a little bit of baking myself uh what i what happens with me is that i i get 
caught up in in like the internet stuff that I see uh-huh. sometimes. So there's a couple of guys I follow. There's um Joshua Wiseman was one of them. He's on um mainly on YouTube. And uh-huh. he he does a lot of things like uh, a lot of it is uh it's like he takes something complicated and makes it look a little bit easy. And that's what I like about him and explains okay. certain terms or whatnot. So one of the things that I made that he did on this show was, uh, what's it called? It, it's that French ham and cheese sandwich. And I can't remember what the name oh, of it is. Okay. Uh, something, something about a, a Mr. Crunchy. He, he makes a Mr. Crunchy. <laughs> and, that sounds good. <laughs> I, well, if you have any fails, you can always come on our podcast and talk about them. Yeah, yeah, I have had some failures. There was one that I was trying to make for the l- longest time, and it it couldn't come out right. So it's these uh these French uh canoe things. I can't remember the name of them, but they're basically little cookies that are shaped like canoes, and huh. um they're very particular. If you like go to France or maybe some bakery over here makes them. They're very expensive. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to make these, I had actually ordered some, this uh, orange oil or orange. It's it's an orange thing, like orange liquor. I forgot what it's called, but it's, is is an ingredient that I couldn't find any place else. I ordered off of Amazon. It, mm-hmm. it tastes, it has a very strong orange taste. And that's a that's the main ingredient for this cookie. And every time I baked it, it, it would either come out too crunchy, or or not done. And I, but oh I, no! But I finally figured it out. I find there I I baked them this one time, and I finally figured it out. And I baked a bunch of them, and they were uh, soft and chewy, and they were delicious, and they had that sweet orange flavor. And I and I I conquered it. But it's like the process of trying to figure it out. Because I wasn't going to let it go. I was going to keep baking this. I was going to keep wasting dough until I found out what I was doing wrong and how to make it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, that's that's one of them. And then there's like uh, trying to make fried chicken. I know that's not baking, but that that's a series of disasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we both have had our failures. So like, even though we make fun of April's lousy attempts at baking and cooking. I've had my own. Um, we actually did a Thanksgiving episode that we never aired. And um, it was all about how I tried to make Thanksgiving dinner for myself. <laughs> it was awful. My family, that was in 2002. And right. my family still makes fun of me for it. And none of them were here. That's right. why I was making it for myself because I was by myself. And uh, they all went to Alabama for Thanksgiving, but I couldn't because of my job. And so I I was 18 and never really cooked like a full meal. Right, right. And it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I found that for me, most of it is like the most challenging thing was turkey. And I, I never make the turkey before but i made turkey for the very first time a few years ago and it came out perfectly but it's i didn't do most of the work so most of the uh the turkey was already like pre-brined so Mm. when you bought it it was already um in the brining solution in a bag so all i really had to do was take turkey out and put it in the the pan to bake it Mm -hmm. but then i saw a recipe for certain types of turkey so there was one recipe where you took onions and 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 a bunch of other ingredients and you stuffed it into the turkey mm-hmm. and then, and you baked it that way. And it was juicy and delicious. It was, 
it's one of those things where I didn't think I could do it and I did it. And then there are other things like baking is like certain things like uh, cookies can be a little bit challenging because mm-hmm. they're a little finicky. But like bread or or like I baked some uh, sweet potato something. It was a sweet potato pie, but it was it was just sweet potatoes, like uh, like a sweet potato souffle. No, it's not. Is mm-hmm. it called? No, casserole. There we go. I'm losing words and I'm finding them again. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a sweet potato casserole. And, and I did that. I think I did that last year. So um, and then most of the stuff is like I'm not going to uh, st- strain myself. Right. So if it's vegetables, then I'm just going to steam them or I'm just going to boil them. I guess I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, not gonna strain myself over this Thanksgiving dinner. It's just food after all. <laughs> yeah. Um the worst part was the mashed potatoes. Um they were it was bad. See, you, you tried to do it from scratch, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Somehow <laughs> the like little t- it wasn't a turkey, it was like a game hen or whatever. Right. That turned out fine. It wasn't great, but it was, you know, cooked and stuff. But the potatoes. Um, I didn't mash. No one told me I had to keep mashing till all the water was gone. Ah. And I was just like, these are really watery. <laughs> when you're baking, if you have too much liquid, what do you do? You add flour. So I was like, let's add some flour. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, right, right, right. It's gross. Right. It makes it disgusting. Ah. And um, it, it was nasty. I, <laughs> my, uh, my mashed, my mashed potatoes come out of a box. So uh, <laughs> you would think that that would have been what they said. Hey, Sarah. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> just, just get the box or the bag. Right, right. But no, no. They're like, she could do this. Right. Nobody, nobody She's knows never the made difference. them before. Right. <laughs> Let's not leave her a recipe. She'll figure it out. So if, if you're curious about, uh, certain, um, creators like on tiktok or whatever there's one called at the cory b that i just discovered he just dropped into my feed and you kind of have to watch out because he is so popular that other people will copy him and you think mm-hmm. that you're watching his video but it's actually somebody had uh what do you call that when you somebody had stitched his video stitched, oh yeah but they don't you don't know that it's a stitch so it looks like uh his video but it's not mm-hmm. but that's how popular he is and um I just made something for the first time. I made something that he was doing. So what his stick is, is that he he stitches somebody else's video and mm-hmm. they're making something. It's like a food hack. And so he tries mm-hmm. the food hack and it's like, and it almost always turns out to be delicious. Like it's, it's something that he'd never thought about trying and he tries it and it's awesome. And he has these funny little rhymes as he's yes. doing. Yeah, oh, so you I've heard of him. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. guy. So he made this uh, potato well, basically, he just took a like a pan. He mixed in some butter and some seasoning, and uh, and some cheese. But the, he doesn't tell you how much of the ingredients that he did. So yeah. I did the same thing. But I guess when I did it, I didn't put enough cheese. And um, he put his. Uh, I mean, it tasted all right, but it didn't look like his looked right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was it was fine. It was I. I it's something that I I can try again. Add more parmesan parmesan cheese and then uh maybe cook it bake it a little bit longer because mm-hmm. the potato is a little bit too al dente if you know what i mean <laughs> Ooh, yeah <laughs> and then uh there's a 
D. Dylan Hollis. And he's this dude, he's baking recipes from like the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, that sort of thing. So weird stuff, like no baked mm-hmm. peanut butter cookies and stuff like that. Uh, he, he made a dump cake. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a, a, vid- a video that I just recently saw. So in a dump cake, he took uh, two cans of canned peaches and he dumped mm-hmm. them into like a baking bowl. And mm-hmm. like one of the cans was strained and, you know, with no peach juice, but the other can, he used some of the peach juice and then mm-hmm. he dumped a cake mix. Like he didn't, yeah. he didn't, he didn't do like, he didn't make his own cake mix. He dumped cake mix in it. Mm-hmm. And then he just, I think he used eggs. He put eggs and I think he stirred it up a little bit and then he put it in the oven and brought it out and it was delicious. But then that's there, weird. Right. And then there are other things that he makes is like, they, it's like he's making a like a cake, but the ingredients call for mayonnaise, and it's like, and it's like, there's no way this is gonna taste good, and it yeah. tastes and it's excellent, and and then yeah. sometimes he'll make something and it's disgusting. So yeah, it's he's very entertaining. Yeah, I've seen his. Um, I, I've made a ton of dump cakes, but usually the the reason why I said it was weird is because normally you cut up butter and you put butter on top. I think he and may you have put it in the oven. He probably did. And that. you don't mix it. You just dump that. Right, 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 right. Um, he he probably did that. But it's it's funny that the stuff that he does. But you know what? This this is a movie podcast. Maybe we should talk a little bit about movies. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh I'm going to uh play this little trailer for two chicks talking flicks, and then after that trailer. We are going to talk about an officer and a gentleman. This is Two Chicks Talking Flicks, where we review movies. We try to dig deeper and go more in depth. For and profound for me. Yeah, um, for me, I'm just like, what? We even bring up relevant topics. I remember from Punky Brewster <laughs> that you don't go inside the frame. No, you- and we're here to have those tough conversations. Mm-hmm. And she was wearing a white dress, which is very... Huh? It was yellow. So if this sounds like the podcast for you, please enjoy new episodes every Tuesday. And we're back. Hey, I remember Punky Brewster. I remember. Yeah. I remember that her real name is Amanda and she hated it. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's Do you one. know that episode we were talking about, though? No, I don't remember that episode. Yeah, it's when um, they're playing hide-and-go-seek and one of the kids goes into the refrigerator and then someone comes to, like, I guess they can't find him or someone comes to pick up the refrigerator. I don't remember, but it it was scary and that's why you don't hide in them. <laughs> right, right, right. It was It's this thing that happened in, in those times, in, in the before times, where they would always warn you not to hide in the refrigerator or not to play yeah. around. But they were always talking about refrigerators that were like out in the yard or yes. something like that. Yeah, that's what this was. Right, it was right, that kind right. of situation and I don't remember why. Um but yeah, this little boy and then they couldn't find him and right. he almost died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it was a very special episode of Punky Brewster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what you can expect from our podcast. Right, 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 right. <laughs> All the Punky Brewster facts. <laughs> So, um, as I mentioned earlier, the movie that we watched was An Officer and a Gentleman. So, Sarah, please tell us more about this movie. Okay. Um, so, Zach Mayo feels like he's reached a 
dead end in his life, seemingly on a whim, he joins the Navy um, Officers Cadet School. And as he imagines that his life of a Navy aviator will bring him fulfillment uh, in his life, uh, the school offers an intense mental and physical challenges. But his greatest challenge is the affection he has for the local women. Uh, woman, sorry, woman named Paula. Uh, can be open. Uh, can he be open with her? Will he allow himself to be vulnerable in her presence? Uh, the walls that Zach has built up around him test them both. That is pretty accurate, I believe. Not written by AI. I'm still struggling with my brain to write copy for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was released August 13th, 1982, produced by Lorimar Film Entertainment and Paramount Pictures. It grossed over $129 million in the U.S. and Canada on a $7.7 million budget. It had mixed, no, actually it had great reviews. I don't, I don't know why. Oh, I know why. I, I forgot to change it. It had great reviews. And here's what's funny. Um, that's profit. That's so much profit. That's that mm -hmm. is a, a Hollywood mogul's dream to invest as little as money as possible and have that much profit. It's an uh, an incredible return on investment. Uh, and mm -hmm. people like this movie. And it was a it was a pretty. It's it's one of the most impactful movies that I watched when I was growing up. So uh, we're going to talk about who was starring in the movie. Why don't you start us off? Okay, so we have uh, Richard Gere. He plays Zach Mayo. He was in Chicago, Pretty Woman, The Jackal, amongst many others. Yes, a prolific actor. Mm -hmm. uh, the, um, this is this movie came out when he was on the rise. He was he was shooting up into the stratosphere, and uh, those are some of his uh, most memorable movies. Up next is Deborah Winger. She played Paula Pokrivka. I believe I said that right. <laughs> She's been in Terms of Endearment, Rachel Getting Married, and Urban Cowboy. Um, and then we have uh, David Keith. He is Sid Worley. He was in Behind Enemy Lines, uh, The Indian in the Cupboard, which I love, and Daredevil. Yes. And interesting about David Keith is like, I only, I, like, I've seen this actor in other movies before. He has mm -hmm. a, a very, peculiar faces like it's it's so punchable yeah it's not punchable it's just so <laughs> uniquely shaped it's like he's got a uniquely shaped face and i can't put my finger on it. i don't want to say it's punchable that that would be too cruel and um i i i looked at his name for the first time i, I didn't know what his name was until I, I did this rewatch in a movie and i was like oh david keith so like keith david uh, i guess the opposite in every way of keith david <laughs> <laughs> So up next is Rob, uh, Robert Logia. He played Byron Myro, uh, Mayo. Ooh, messing everything up. Byron Mayo. He's been in Big, Independence Day, Scarface, and many other movies. Uh, kind of a character actor. He's been in a lot of TV movies, a lot of TV shows, and, and a lot of movies. Just whenever he's in a movie, he brings gravity to uh, the situation. Lisa, is it... Blount. Oh, Blount. Blount. Um, she played. That sounds great. Oh. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she played Lynette uh, Palmeroy, and uh, she was in The Prince of Darkness, Crystal, and Blind Flurry. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about her, but she's done some movies, uh, some TV mm -hmm. shows. 
I'm, she looked familiar. You probably rec- if you've seen Prince of Darkness, you might recognize her from that. No, nope, never seen it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably one of her. Oh, she she's done a lot of television, so you may have seen her on television. But uh, I think probably. Prince of Darkness is probably besides this movie and Officer and a Gentleman. This is probably her. Uh, Prince of Darkness probably her highest profile mm. role. Up next is Lisa Ailbacher. She played Casey Seeger. She's been in Beverly Hills Cop, Ten to Midnight, and Leviathan. She, she's had some higher profile movies. I didn't realize, like, she, I didn't recognize her at all, but she's mm-hmm. she plays the lead, the second lead to Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. That's the oh. same, yeah, it's the same girl. Yeah, okay. so that's pretty cool. Uh, then we have Louis Gossett Jr., and he is Sergeant Emil Foley. Yep. He was in Daddy's Little Girl, uh, Dickstown, and The Punisher. Yes. And I, I want to specify that's the 1989 Punisher, not not the TV yes. series Punisher or any of the Punishers that came out in theaters lately. It's This is the old school Punisher that came out a long time ago with <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. So mm-hmm. I, I'm always pleased to see Louis Gossett Jr. He's, he's always a surprise. He's like another actor that brings gravity to the situation. And, and this, I think this is probably like a lot of actors. I couldn't point to their best roles, like their, their, mm-hmm. their, 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 where they did their best work. But this movie, this is his best work. This is <laughs> he is so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, up next is Tony Plana. He played Emiliano Della Sera. He's been in Roman J. Israel Esquire, Three Amigos, and A Snowy Day in Oakland. So he was uh, the really short uh, Mm -hmm. recruit. It it was hard to miss him. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have uh, Harold Sylvester. He played Perryman. He was in Interspace and Uncommon Valor. Right. Um, Next is David Caruso. He played Topper Daniels. He's been in First Blood and Proof of Life. And I did not know these things. Like, I only know him from the the cop shows that he was on television. Yes. Oh, I was going to say, I don't like him on um, CSI Miami. He was always (laughs) the worst. Yeah. um, I I guess that's his... That's its thing to be the worst on that show. I don't. I don't know. I hadn't. I had to watch that. I just remember from a little bit from NYPD Blue. Then he wanted to get back into the movies, and it didn't work out as well as he had hoped. So he went back into television. But what what was interesting to me is that um, when they said he was in Rambo, I had to. I just saw Rambo a few months ago, and in this movie, he's barely. He's so young that he's barely recognizable. And yeah. I want to note that these are supposed to be recruits into the like the officer candidate school mm-hmm. and usually the recruits are between like 21 to 25 they are uh fresh out of college or yeah. they're they're probably in college mm-hmm. so they should look younger but most of the people <laughs> most of the recruits in this movie do not look as young as they should look yeah. <laughs> but he was one of the ones that he looks like a baby in this movie it was i was like oh my god is that david caruso <laughs> yeah yeah, he looks really young. Um, nowadays, he he again also has a very punchable looking face. Right, right, just right. I would agree. Kind of just want to deck him. Right. Also, uh, so I looked up when he was in uh, First Blood. I didn't look up his Proof of Life picture. Mm-hmm. And in First Blood, he looks a little bit older, but still unrecognizable because he's so young. <laughs> 
Um, and then we have uh, Victor French. He played Joe uh, Poto. Oh, oh, it's the same last name. Uh-huh. Uh, Parker Rifa. That's good enough for me. Nobody will remember. (laughs) He was in Rio Lobo and Highway to Heaven. Yes. Have you ever seen that one? Uh, Like the TV show? Highway to Heaven? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've also seen Rio Lobo. Right. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, he's that, he's the dude with uh, Landon, uh, Michael Landon. Mm -hmm. He was, he was his sidekick. And he was also Michael Landon's sidekick in uh, Little House on the Prairie. So he's been around. Yeah, he's that dude. (laughs) And last we have Grace Zabriskie, she played Esther Pokrivka, and she's been in Armageddon and The Grunge. So, mm-hmm. um, is that the one that played his wife? I think that's the one that played his wife. I didn't. Yeah, I re- I recognized her. Um, I didn't know she was in Armageddon, but I I did recognize her. Right. I I can't place her in Armageddon. She's probably somebody's wife in that movie. I I imagine that it's like you're paying attention to all the action that's going on, that you're not looking too much at the uh, smaller roles. Is she the president's wife? I have no idea. (laughs) Was the president even in that movie? (laughs) I remember the Joint Chiefs of Staff being in the movie. I don't don't even remember. She may have been one of the Joint Chiefs. I, I I don't even know. Yep. Or is she uh, the mom of uh, of um, Gold? Or um, oh, I don't know. I can't think of it. You you talk about Liv Tyler's character? No, no, I she, don't know. She was a uh, Bruce Willis's daughter. Yeah, no, 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 no. I I know that. I I was um, thinking of Independence Day, and I was thinking of Steve Goldblum because I know he calls his mom. Right. I thought right, maybe right. oh, she's the mom, but. I don't think I, his mom made an appearance in that movie. It was just yeah, he was just and, talking to her on the phone. Yeah, and then I realized that it was a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. It was way different. So much better. So much better. I, I actually, you know, I, I want to amend that. They're both about the same. I love them equally. They're both my children. Yeah. So I mean, I, very similar kind of things happen. Right. 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 It's got the same amount of realism in both of those movies. <laughs> That's true. Tell us about the director. So it was directed by Taylor Hackford. Um, he did Ray, Dolores Claiborne, uh, The Devil's Advocate, and uh, Against All Odds. Oh, man. Just g- doing good movies. He's just mm-hmm. directing uh, a bevy of great movies. Also written by Douglas Day Stewart. He wrote The Blue Lagoon, The Scarlet Letter from 1995, and Listen to Me. So I'm I think I've seen bits and pieces of the blue of the Blue Lagoon, and that's about it. <laughs> I've I've seen it several times actually. The Blue Lagoon? <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember I watched it because it was on HBO and there was nudity, so that's or at yeah. least I was told there was nudity. I don't know if I actually ever saw it. <laughs> Cause as I said, I only seen bits and pieces of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the music. So the music was done by uh Jack Nietzsche. I think that's I think that's Nietzsche. Nietzsche. I thought it was Nietzsche. Yeah, yeah. Um like but the then other... I was like like that famous guy who... who okay, yeah, there yeah, is a Nietzsche guy. as well. Okay, Right, right, right. Um, he did One Flew Over is the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Next to Ken, The Seventh Sign, uh, 1988. 
Stand By Me, and the song Up Where We Belong, written by Will Jennings, Jack Nietzsche, uh, Buffy Santi Marie, uh, performed by Joe Crocker and Jennifer Warrens. Yes. Of, of course, I had to include the titular song. Or it's not the titular song, but it, it's it's still a, a very important song. That it's weaved into the soundtrack. So as yes. you listen to the movie, you're constantly hearing the the rhythms and chords of mm-hmm. "Up Where We Belong," and then they actually sing it in the end credits of the movie. And it's like I remember this being having such a beautiful song to hear on the radio. I didn't realize it was a Joe Crocker song. So yeah, uh, no. And and the other Joe Cocker song that's affiliated with the TV show is the Wonder Years that mm-hmm. I love. <laughs> it's like much rushing, better song, right? Right, uh, rushing home to to watch the Wonder Years, getting there to hear the opening credits because uh, I, even though I'm only, it's like I never heard the whole song. I only heard that part that they played in the opening <laughs> credits of the Wonder Years. <laughs> only later on in life did I, you know, when streaming was available, was I able to partake of the entire song and not just that that little piece of it. But yeah, a wonderful you, song. You never heard the Beatles version of it? No. Nope. Uh, if I oh. did, I don't remember hearing the Beatles version of it. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I didn't. It's like a lot of the songs I heard that were Beatles songs were the ones that were uh, remade uh, that I didn't mm. realize. Like there was that Michael Jackson one that he did that um, like come together. I didn't realize oh, okay. that was a Beatles song. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, there was yesterday that I where well, it was actually um, not John Lennon. It's the other one. Um, Paul McCartney. No, not Paul McCartney. Ringo Starr. Yeah. Oh, I guess it was George Harrison. I guess it was John. No, it was John Lennon part of the Beatles. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was John Lennon. <laughs> so John Lennon's song "Yesterday." I first heard that sung by Boys to Men. So mm. yeah, so, and as you could tell, me going through the Beatles and not knowing who did what, uh, my Beatles knowledge is lacking. Well, <laughs> come on, man. They're they're very, they're a really popular group. Yeah, um, I know, right? They hail from England. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, one of the groups that I liked uh, it was not really a group; it's a TV show. The Monkees were based off of them. <laughs> when, you know the Monkees, but not the Beatles. Well, I I know the Beatles. I just I just not as familiar with uh, a lot of their work uh, as like a Beatles fan, right? So, mm. like if if I heard what's the one the one that's something about being happy so if i heard that song i, I know that's a beatles song because i've heard it it's enough um but mm-hmm. a lot of the other songs that i just i just don't know that well so um there's and then there's uh it, there's a character on star trek the original series whose look was based on the beatles because it was really popular at the time that mm. bold haircut that uh, oh, yeah. Pavel Chekhov had. So he was, he was, <laughs> he he specifically had that look. I'm guessing to draw on the younger crowd for that mm. era. Yeah, and I do like that they finally um, reward us with actually playing up where we belong because they tease it the entire time. Right, right, right. And I've been singing it all day. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so that's it for the opening credits if you're enjoying the show remember that you can get t-shirts hoodies mugs face masks jerseys and more at our website backlickcinema.com slash shop now i have a treat for you i'm going to 
I haven't I haven't done this in a long time. I'm I'm going to play one of my faux ads that I used to play <laughs> on the earlier days of the show. Now, I want to do this because my guests never really got a chance to listen to the faux ads. Uh, really, never got their reaction. So I'm playing this fake advertisement. I, I'm letting you know that it's fake because people used to think that they were real. It's like no, no, it's it's a joke. So I'm, I'm gonna play it. Now, you won't catch the references, I don't think. Oh, or maybe you will, because it's a movie reference. So let me just go ahead and play this. Hold on, let me see. Uh, I'm this pretty one, astute. This one, this one. Let's play this one and uh, see if you can catch the reference. It's big. It's juicy. It's fresh. It's the big universe. You want this in your life. You need this in your life. It's the most meat you'll ever need in a burger. It's the Big Kahuna. And if that's not enough, try the Big Kahuna meal with your choice of fries or chips, plus pineapples, one aside, and your favorite soft drink. Stop by the Big Kahuna restaurant today and treat yourself to all the meat you'll ever need. Music and sound effects provided by Zapsplat.com. <laughs> and there it is. Uh, the Big Kahuna Burger. What'd you think? That is interesting. <laughs> that is. <laughs> so, so did you get the reference? No. So the Big Kahuna version, uh, the the Big Kahuna Burger is in reference to the Quentin Tarantino family of films. So, in his oh, films, okay. he features the Big Kahuna Burger, and that's one of the connecting tissues that uh, that connects a lot of his films together. Yeah, because I was thinking of um, Pulp Fiction, and I was like, no, that's the uh, royal, that's an actual burger. Well, um, they talk about the, the um, what do they call it? Because it's, they're talking about a quarter pounder with cheese, and yes. then that's when, uh, uh, I can't remember his name now, the, the dude, the, the white dude, what's his name? Uh, John Travolta. John Travolta, thank you. I wasn't even trying to think of his character's name. I was just trying to think <laughs> of his name, the guy who played the character. So John Travolta was like, well, they don't they don't know what the fuck a quarter pound is. It's France. They own the metric system. <laughs> they they call it Le Grand Royale, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the burger that they eat in uh like one of the restaurants, I'm 90% sure it's called the big the big kahuna version. Uh, the big oh, is it the restaurant where they do the dancing? Right, right. And then oh, okay. there are other places that they go that uh well, other movies where somebody's eating the big kahuna burger. So Yeah, we're a movie review podcast, but I have not seen that movie. There's actually a ton of movies like that that I haven't seen. Like, uh, I've seen parts of it, so I know what happened. Right, right. But I've right. not seen the full movie. Yeah, well, um, I encourage you to watch it. I, I, no shame from my part because there are a bunch of movies <laughs> that I should have seen that I had not seen. It's just that these are the classic movies. I know exactly what you're going through. The classic movies that I should have seen that I just never got around to. So yeah, for you, it's uh, Pulp Fiction. And for me, it's, it's a bunch of other movies. <laughs> so uh, let's get started with the favorite parts. Why don't you uh, let the audience know Sarah, what's one of your favorite parts? So um, my mom, she she's seen this movie quite a bit. And we are from Texas. So now, just to say this, we it's not something you should say nowadays. This movie has not aged well. <laughs> but 
the only uh, two things come from Oklahoma is steers and queers. And he says, <laughs> I don't see any horns. I love that part. Um, Cause she still referenced that. Here and there. <laughs> um, and it's just a funny thing that she'll say every once in a while. And then also when he co- says mayonnaise, I just love how he says his name. Right, right, right. Or, or just basically messing up his name. And yeah. while it's not, it's definitely not politically correct, some of the speech used in this movie, but yeah. um, having been through basic training, that is exactly how drill sergeants talk. <laughs> drill sergeants or drill instructors. Actually, a lot of times it's much worse. And what's funny is like, at the time I was going through basic training, they weren't supposed to curse the oh. drill the drill sergeants, but they cursed mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what branch were you in? I was in the army. So in the okay. army, yeah, in the army they're referred to as drill sergeants and the Marine Corps, they're called drill instructors. And what's interesting about this is that uh since the Marines are actually a, a division of the Navy, mm-hmm. they were going to a naval aviation school, but they were being trained by a a marine drill instructor. Mm. It's not a difference that I would have caught because I I I seen this movie before I went into the army, so it's not a, a distinction I would have made. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's impressive how accurate they were. They're accurate with the uniforms, with uh, basically his whole like Louis Gossett Jr.'s whole behavior and how he mm-hmm. carried himself is super accurate like i wouldn't have caught it back then but like after having had that experience you see how i can see now how super accurate it was so it it's even more impactful now than when than before i joined the military like i wonder if um uh denzel like not imitates him but like saw this and used it as a guide for his acting because i feel like they're very similar and i could totally see if they like rebooted this that he would do well doing that part because i feel like their acting style is very similar because like take him as the coach from um uh the football movie yeah 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 remember the titans remember the titans yeah like it's very similar right right Uh, so yeah uh He's he's played a soldier in a training type situation before, but the movie that he was in wasn't particularly good. That particular movie, yeah. but th- there's also um when he was in Glory, but in Glory he was a trainee, not a trainor, yeah. so it couldn't really compare it. But yeah, he would do it, but I don't know if he would fit in the reboot, be- like because uh, he he's a little he's a little Older. old for that part, but he is. Coming into the Equalizer three, so mm. I'm eager to see him in that. <laughs> yeah. That is a reboot as well. Did you ever watch the, the Equalizer TV show? No. Uh, with Queen Latifah? No, that's a, a oh. re reboot. That's yes, yeah. <laughs> that's the third. I've reboot. seen that one. I've not seen the original. Yeah, so the original was I think there was a I, it's a white dude. I that's yeah. that's the only thing I remember because it's not, I only seen like a couple of episodes of the original Equalizer, mm-hmm. so um, that's how I know that it's a it's a reboot of a TV show, and so mm-hmm. the the movie is a reboot of the TV show, and Queen Latifah is a reboot uh, is the newest reboot of the TV show. Yeah. So um, one of the 
It's not my favorite part. It's just the part I realized that I don't remember. Like I was trying to look for it in the trivia section, but I, I didn't see a reference to it. But I feel like I've I seen a totally different beginning of this movie. Yes. Oh, so you, it happened to you too. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple parts that I never saw before or I don't remember seeing. I've only seen this movie. I'm sure if it's been on TV watching it. Um, so I'm, a lot of the stuff was probably cut out, but I do not remember him waking up and his dad's in bed with these two women. Was it two women? I thought it was just one. <laughs> nope. There was two. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I don't remember that part. As a matter of fact, the way I remember the movie started was that he was a, a home alone in his apartment. He watched a Navy recruitment commercial, and then he left his apartment. And that's all I remember. I don't remember <laughs> the, the thing with uh, him being young in Vietnam. Like, I don't remember his childhood. Yeah. I don't remember his dad coming and, and, you know, not wanting to take responsibility for him, but taking responsibility nonetheless. I don't yeah. remember that uh, his mother unaliving himself. I don't remember any of that. So that yeah. feels all new to me. So I must have watched the the edited version on television because I don't. None of these parts are familiar that yeah, I saw in the beginning. I also thought that um, Sid died a different way. Oh, I remember how Sid died. That that was that for was some shocking. reason. I thought he like went back into the simulator thing over and over, and then he like died in the simulator. You know, when he can't breathe. Right, 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 right. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that's what happened. Right. And so, but maybe because I kind of feel like this movie was the before for Top Gun. Like, I feel like they took the feel of this movie and then was like, oh, it's about naval pilots. Let's make Top Gun. About <laughs> after they go to basic training. Right, and right. so... Maybe I'm just getting those two movies like intertwined, but I thought that's how he died. Yeah. So it was a little sh like I knew he died, but it was shocking seeing him. Right. Hanging. It, it was definitely shocking. I definitely remember that part. Um, I feel like I don't remember when Top Gun came out, but uh, doing these types of movies were very uh, popular, especially back in those mm -hmm. times. And I feel like this movie leans more heavily on the romance than Top yeah. Gun did. Top Gun really focused on the action, fighting an unnamed enemy. And and this one, like Top Gun is after uh, their actual training, after basic training. So these mm -hmm. are already the top naval aviators. So they're just getting extra training. Since they're already good, they're giving them yeah. extra training to make them even better than they already are. Like, it's like going to like, a AP physics or something. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're doing. But these are like the new, they haven't even, these guys haven't even seen a plane and yeah. an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> they're learning about avionics, but they're all college graduates. So they have, mm -hmm. they can get the grasp of it. So they're going to uh, the school where well, they're going to the, the physical training and then they have to also go to class. Yeah. My dad um, and his dad were in the air force and both retired for after 20 years. And so um, I, I took the ASVAP in high school because I was in a military community in Nebraska. 
Um, and I got highly recruited from the Navy and I was like, uh, you don't want me. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not your type. And they were like, no, no, you scored high in the, these two sections. And I was like, but, uh, you don't want me in the Navy. I would not thrive. Why did you think you'd, you'd not thrive in the Navy? Oh, um, well, first of all, I don't think I would have passed the physical to get in. Uh, that's the first thing. Um, second thing, I have absolutely no idea how I scored so high in the math portion of that test um, because I suck at math. So <laughs> I have no idea. Now, I, I scored really high in the map portion as well because um, they would have like, maps and you would have to answer questions based on the aerial view or whatever. I don't remember exactly how it was done, but um, so that's probably why they would want me as someone to help navigate the ships. I don't know, but uh, I was like, I don't know how I passed that math part because I suck at math. So <laughs> I, I don't think you want me in the Navy. Thank you. So what would you have preferred? Like if you wanted to join the armed forces, what would you have preferred? I probably would have done the air force. Cause I was an ROTC ah. and you know, my dad, my grandpa, my other grandpa, my grandma and my aunt. And then there's lots of other people, but all of them close to me were in the air force. Well, that that's a good choice. That that's definitely have, I don't want to call it the most passable physical, but is it? I think it's the most <laughs> passable physical. I think with the Air Force, it's more about uh, they stress you more about um, your the the pomp and circumstance, the the uh, the parade marching and all that sort of things. Mm -hmm. uh, keeping your room neat, it, it's more stressful yeah. in that way than it is about physical fitness. But there's definitely some physical fitness training going on <laughs> oh yeah when my aunt she was 34 i think the cutoff was like 35 um she went into the air force at 34 and had to get down to like teeny tiny size and um she you know she made it and she was just in the band right right <laughs> <laughs> So um, one of the things we were talking about the the opening scenes, right? So one of the things that um, I saw, like I said, I don't remember uh, Logia playing the father uh, sleeping, you know, with two girls in the bed, but it was like, he was mostly naked. And I was like, oh, this is, I've seen Logia in a lot of movies. And I was like, I'm seeing <laughs> way too much of Logia. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, entirely too much of Logia. And then there's a scene where he's like in a bathroom talking to Richard Gere and uh, mm -hmm. his it's like he's wearing like this. Uh, I guess they're button up underpants. Yeah. But the button is undone. So it's open. So now I'm seeing even more Logia flesh than I ever wanted to see in my life. <laughs> yeah. And, and he kept putting his hands in his pants. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I was like, dude, not it's a good a look. It's entirely too much. Um, what what other part do you remember that you like? Um, let's see here. Uh, I always really like when they do the uh, the underwater test. Yeah, yeah. I like that part. Um, and I like 
when um, he notices that he doesn't have friends. And so when they're doing the first time they do the obstacle course and the other guy who comes second turns around and goes back and is cheering people on and he's just sitting over by himself against the wall and he realizes this guy is only here for himself. I really like that, that you can see immediately that he wants to break him of that and that he needs to be a team with these people. Right, right, right. He hasn't yet learned to be a team player at, at that point. That's the first time they showed up the obstacle test. And uh, you touched on uh, his steers and queers uh, comment. Yeah. that Because it's like when I'm, you know, when I originally saw that, I really didn't think nothing of it. We, we normally, when we want to insult each other, we try to uh, refer to our friends as not being straight. But now uh-huh. you look at it, at it through this lens, it's like that. now it's not speech that would be permitted in the in the army. I, I don't think because now it's no. uh, now it's casting a, a whole segment of the population in a bad light, and you, you try not to do that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it's the same thing. Like when, uh, especially when you're dealing with uh, a group of boys or men or boys or whatnot and you want to insult them you call them ladies that's kind of the mm-hmm. same thing right <laughs> that, yeah um i don't know if that's licked on as uh as bad as uh some of the other comments but um it's that scene when he's inspecting the new recruits that's like when he first comes on the scene and uh he's doing his drill sergeant thing that it, it's just perfect right so i mm-hmm. i super love that and then like there are a few scenes that I remember Chris like stayed with me throughout my entire life. So mm-hmm. one of the things that had stayed with me is when, when uh, Zach and uh, Sid, they're being uh, punished. Like, so they have to do push-ups for mm-hmm. doing something inappropriate. And then these two women walk by from the, mm-hmm. uh, what you call it, from the town. And Sid remarks on, one of them is bodacious tatas that yeah. stuck with me for my entire life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you see the one walking with those bodacious tatas? I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It was. It just struck me as as extremely amusing, and uh, yes, actually, not not that bodacious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when they're at the club and she comes in. I was like, wow, geez. Or when they go to um, the bar right? and right, she right. shows up, I was like, dang girl. Okay. Put those away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing that got me was the, um, when they're running on the beach, they're running in full uniform. I was like, oh, that, that takes a lot of work. <laughs> they, yeah. they were, well, the students, the recruits were in full uniform except for the shoes. They were wearing tennis shoes running on the beach, which is hard. And then the drill instructor, he was in full uniform with the full uniform boots. And I remember those days and I'm just tired for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and those, those uniforms are not like, easily you you don't easily move in them like they're very tight fitted outfits or uniforms so it's not easy to run in that stuff yeah it's not it's not necessarily tight so much as that they're kind of stiff because they require you to uh, starch and iron them. yes and mm-hmm. they're uh they're 100 cotton i think or there might be a cotton polyester, polyester. Uh, yeah. yeah 
uh, a cotton polyester blend. So when you put them on, they're they're very stiff. It, you're right; yes. they're hard to move in. And what's what's more grating is like when you start to sweat in them because you start to sweat almost immediately because you're covered in head to toe and your your uh your trousers, the end of your trousers are tucked into your boots, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, no. And um, like my dad, because he was in the Air Force, um, my uniform was always like pristine right and he would take plastic pieces and cut them out and put them on the back side of my uh name tag and my uh ribbons and so that's heavy too you know you got all this stuff plus the plastic and it was very stiff and cumbersome and um and then the shoes the shoes are are stiff because you know right yeah you can't have worn out shoes and they have to be spick and span and, <laughs> and, and they have to be tough, right? They, they got to last. Mm-hmm. So, I, I and like- I got to tell you, if you're a girl and you have to wear the, the uh, tights or the nylons and the skirt and it's ugh, awful. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah. I bet. And, um, and then there, there was a uh, part where they showed them and they were taking a class. See, a lot of this is nostalgia. So I like I remember mm-hmm. all of the physical exercises. I remember having to be punished. Like a lot of times what would happen is that if one recruit did something wrong, then the entire platoon was punished for that mm-hmm. one recruit or whatever. So I remember all of that. Um, and then um, you would have to go to what they call the course, or that's the class, the classroom instruction. So after mm-hmm. all of this, physical activity it's like you wake up you do your physical activity you go to breakfast you out after breakfast a little bit more physical activity and then you go to course <laughs> yeah and the course is like it's basically classroom instruction and now you're challenged to stay awake <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh it was bad it was it was and i remember it fondly now but at the time i was going through it not so fondly but this movie brings back those memories yeah, and um, when she can't get over the wall, um, does he call her uh, sugar puss? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be allowed today. Probably not. <laughs> but then he uh, he softens a little bit and tells her to go around the wall. So it's like she's yeah. working on that wall the entire time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another part. You... Uh, did you what do you think about the the kung fu uh part? So for some reason I thought it was boxing. So I was very confused when it was kung fu that <laughs> they were doing. I don't know why, but I I guess maybe I just associate navy with boxing. Right. And um so I was like, "Oh. Oh, they're kicking." For some reason I thought they were bo- well, to be fair, he does kind of put his dukes up like he's about to punch him in the face right right so maybe that's why i thought that but yeah i mentioned that because i like the part where um david caruso's character topper daniels he says he like the drill sergeant calls for a volunteer so he volunteers daniels and daniel was like he can't touch me it's against the rules <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's so not against the rules. No, <laughs> no it, it's it's not. 
yeah um for some reason uh poor daniels I, yeah yeah poor daniels it's just oh man it, uh he he really uh got the the worst end of that deal mm-hmm. oh remember that part when they was going to town uh-huh so what did you think of that part um it was a part like, when they went to town, they were dressed in white uniforms, and then the townies in the town, they was giving them a hard time. Oh, yeah. I I mean, like, I'm sure they're probably annoyed by it, especially the men, because all their women want to be with these naval guys who fly in and fly, well, boat in and boat out, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess, but it, I feel like there are a lot of people in that town. It's enough people in that town where they, they didn't need to be so hostile to the military. Yeah. It's like all they did was walk into the bar and meet some friends that were already set to meet. It's like it's not like they were hitting on the women. The women were already there waiting for the men to show up to take yeah. them to and up or just have a good time. And they're just minding their own business. But the dudes in this, uh-huh. in this bar are extremely hostile and they're trying to pick a fight. It's yeah, like, and like, then they were on the wrong side of that fight. Right. And it's like <laughs> they were trying to let it go. They were so trying to let it go. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to fight you. Just leave it alone. Just I'm just trying I'm trying to walk away. And the dudes just wouldn't let it go. And then uh got beat up. And Mayo didn't get any blood on his stark white uniform. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he bloodied the dude and his and his uniform was still perfect so not not even expending much effort to defend himself you know i'm kind of surprised that mayo had somebody else shine his stuff for him because it seems like something he would have done for his dad and he'd be really good at it like i feel like his dad would make him shine his stuff for him so i would just assume he would do it and people would pay him to actually do it for them. I think part of it is that there probably wouldn't be enough time to do it all because uh, you got to do courses and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And maybe you only have enough time to shine your shoes. Another way to look at it is that maybe that's precisely why he had somebody else shine his shoes, but like shining everybody else's shoes and shining everybody else's buckles, because now he's sick of of shining shoes and shining buckles. (laughs) And there was a lot of that going on. Like there, were, I don't remember there being any strict rules about you shining your own stuff. Yeah, and they didn't I, like the drill sergeant didn't care as long as the stuff was shined. So if you paid another recruit to shine your shoes and buckles and metal parts or whatnot, I don't think the drill sergeant would have cared. No, yeah, because um, they all help each other out to clean their rooms and make sure their rooms are all put together because it's not one of you that's going to get in trouble it's all of you right 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 but so i I guess it's because of the scope of mayo's uh enterprise that got him mm -hmm. in trouble not the fact that he was doing it (laughs) yeah and then um when he uh when the drill sergeant was trying to make him quit that that was also an awesome part Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the parts that I find that was most impactful, especially after I went through all of that, right? So um in the military we call that getting smoked. He was mm-hmm. uh Mayo was being smoked by the drill instructor. So <laughs> having to do and it's like when you think about it deeply, 
the thing about it is that the drill instructor is not there all the time. He has a family. He has to go home. And then there are usually a couple of other drill instructors that take their place and they train the recruits in rotation. Mm-hmm. So the drill instructor has to get time off from dealing with these knuckleheads and then come back, you know, fresh after a couple of days of the weekend or, you know, a day off or whatever, and then have to continue the training process. So Emil, uh, not Emil, what's his name? The the Joe guy, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting out. Uh, Foley, that's his name, Emil Foley. Mm-hmm. I did say it right. So anyway, Sergeant Emil Foley had to take the day off, uh, no, work extra. So he wasn't taking the day off. Like he mm-hmm. normally does. Like, remember, everybody was leaving to go on Liberty. And so he decided, instead of going back home, he decided to stay on base, work extra hours just to punish one of his recruits. Yep. <laughs> so that was like, just just, uh, just so that he can be personally abusive. Like, he didn't even hand off this responsibility to another drill sergeant. He decided to do it himself. <laughs> so spraying him with water, ha- making him do drills with the... Uh, with the mock rifle normally they're they're not real rifles when you're exercising with them the mm-hmm. mock rifles that weigh the same as real rifles like the students they're heavy ROTC. yeah yeah they're heavy <laughs> not not fun to like do uh the things that he was doing with them yeah and uh doing push-ups in the mud just just all of them he was just getting absolutely smoked so and then uh there was a part where it's like he was trying to make him quit and he didn't want to quit and then, uh, oh, one of the things he said while he was smoking, uh, while he was smoking Zach, was that he pointed out to Cigar, he called Cigar, like, like yeah. a smoke a cigar. <laughs> so Cigar had also, Cigar had also stayed behind, but she was mm-hmm. working out on her own, doing exercises to try to build her strength so she can get over that wall because it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. And he pointed to her and he said, see that? Seagar over there, she may not make it, but she got more heart than you would ever yeah. have. Like, I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's that's some awesome, that's some awesome talk right there. Yeah. And because the Joe Sergeant's kicking him out because he's being dishonorable. So mm-hmm. he says, Okay, Mel, you out. Because he's trying to get Mel to quit. Mel wouldn't quit. He says, Okay, Mel, you out. And he says, Don't you do that? Don't you do that? <laughs> I got nowhere else to go. I was like, oh, that was one of the most impactful moments in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, like it was good, but also insane. Yeah, I mean, he was, he absolutely filleted himself open to the Joe Sergeant because it's like he said that he got nowhere else to go. He was crying like a child. He was like, mm-hmm. he was done, done, right? He was. It's like if he wasn't going to give up. And then when he's he was going to get kicked out, it was like he basically he threw himself at the mercy of the court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like I was watching that. I was like, wow, that's a really good performance by Richard Gear. But then I was like, but it's really good by him as well. So I was just like, dang, that's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done all the this talk about Mayo and his in his training we never talked about one of the main players in this, uh, Paula Pokrivka, played by Deborah Winger. So what did you think of their relationship? So, no, I, I see, um, I, I read some trivia on the movie too, so I won't go much into that. But Right, right, right. I, um, I didn't see a connection. And one of my main notes was um, their 
kissing didn't seem good at all. Um, for this to be like a, a romance movie, I thought it was like no emotion, no, I don't know. I, I didn't believe it. It wasn't believable. Um, she did a good job. I think she was a good actress in this. Um, but I didn't believe the two of them. Now, when they were laughing and having fun, that seemed believable. But their intimate moments and their like cutesy little stuff, it it didn't didn't hit right for me. I actually thought Sid and Lynette were a better couple. Right. Well, until the end, and she was a terrible person. <laughs> I here's the thing. I didn't uh I, I didn't catch whether or not they had chemistry because I'm so bad at determining whether a, a couples have great chemistry or have poor chemistry. It, I guess it all looks the same to me, but I think I probably uh, negotiated that with that Mayo has built up a bunch of walls around himself. Like he, mm-hmm. he hangs out with his father, with prostitutes. Like you should never see your father naked and you should. And so he went past that. He's, <laughs> He's having a, a orgy with his father. That's gross. That's so gross. And so yeah. if he's just, uh, if his main female companion is a prostitute, then he doesn't really know how to make a connection with a, a regular woman, right? So if mm-hmm. there was a problem, like if you don't see a connection or if he, the chemistry is off, it's really because of Mayo, because Mayo doesn't know how to connect with a regular yeah. woman. Like he has no idea how to talk to a woman, how how to how to treat a woman, or how to open up to a woman. So, like after the fight, he didn't. Uh, she wanted to talk to him, and he didn't want to communicate. He 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 was basically closed off to her, mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't know how to deal with it. Right, so he. Uh, so he's uh, he needs her, but at the same time, pushing her away. Yeah, and he even said when she asked him, like, what do you typically do with your the women? And he said, I don't have women. Um, so, you know, he's very stunted in that. Um, I'm sure he has mommy issues. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, so I don't know how risque I can get, but uh, as risque as you want. He's kind of a selfish lover. Um, he was making her do all the work. I noticed that. Um, and I was just like, wow, okay. Selfish. <laughs> um, I didn't catch that, but <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, right, right. right. They're going at it again. She's on top. She's doing whatever. Right. She's doing all the heavy lifting. Right. Well, like I said, I, I don't catch where there's a uh, bad chemistry or whatever but i would just credit that to like kim being closed off uh as as a character and then uh like at the end of um near the end after they discover sid you know he was he's even more closed off and then she tries to say something like uh i want to love you he's like no you don't or something like that right yeah further pushing her away and then this is after he had like just kind of cut her off right and i was like he's yeah. such a bad person like i thought sid would bad but they're both as bad right i think sid was like he had a girlfriend at home but he's also having an affair with lynette or something oh. like that that seemed to be happening. no 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 it's his dead brother's girl that he i guess decided they were supposed to get married but he died in the war 
and um he decided he would marry her because that was the right thing to do right right and so he's he doesn't want to be with that girl he wants to be with lynette he loves lynette right 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 um, right but i actually think the love story is with sid and zach I actually oh, yeah. think that's yeah, the better love story <laughs> Yeah, because Zach can absolutely have a connection with men because he was able to build a connection with his father. He mm-hmm. sort of has a connection with the Joe Sergeant. He builds friendship with the other people in uh in the platoon. So yeah, he absolutely can build uh, a relationship with Sid, but he couldn't do it with women. He had a he, super hard time, and yeah. uh, he had a hard time uh, up until. He he basically changed his mind, right? <laughs> so we kind of touch on how uh, what's her name was being a really Lynette was it's kind of a bad person. How she only wanted Ugh. to be with Sid because she he was supposed to be a naval aviator. She he she thought that she had hit the jackpot, and then mm-hmm. he had flipped it on her, and she didn't appreciate. It. She he thought that she liked him for him. It's like no, yeah. she, she didn't like him for him. She liked a naval aviator. <laughs> Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, and and to try and trap him. Well, it, it's like she kind of alluded to, it. like she already said that that's something that she would consider. She would definitely consider mm-hmm. trapping a person. And um, Deborah Winger's character, Paula, was like, "That's disgusting." And she mm-hmm. was like, and Lynette was she was in a position where she would do anything to get herself a naval boyfriend uh, or yeah. husband. So that she then, kinda... I'll go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and uh, Paulette or Paula also thought about doing it too once she realized she was in love with this guy and he was trying to go away from her, uh, or broke it off with her. She was considering doing whatever she needed to do to keep him, and I was just like, that, No, that's not the way to do it. Well, I think what her thing was was that like her mom had an issue where. Like she fell in love with a, a cadet, and the cadet yeah. left her mom, and and she was born like she was a product of that union. Mm-hmm. So uh, she saw when Lynette was going to go to the base and look for Zach after Zach didn't call. Like Zach wasn't calling. Zach had ghosted her, yeah, in an old fashioned way, and it was so yep. easy to do it back in the day. And uh, so he wasn't calling her. He wasn't returning her calls. He's pretending to be too busy. He's just uh, so he ghosted her. And later on, telling Sid that he had broken off with her, and then at the factory, hold on, let's let's take a break and talk about how she works at a paper factory. Have you ever been near a paper factory? I've been close to a paper mill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, they stink. They, they stink smell so, so bad. bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, anyways, back to the story. So she's trying to she she's leaving work. She's getting off early. She's gonna go to the base to find Zach and find out what's and basically try to convince her, convince Zach to come back with her or stay with her or whatever. And her mom stopped her. And her mom is like, if he didn't call, he's gone. He's gone. He's trying to. She's trying. Her mom is trying to let Lynette know that it's it's over between the two of you because he's not calling. It means that he's not going. He doesn't want to see you. And that that really. Uh, devastates her <laughs> it crushes her <laughs> so uh i thought that was uh that was good that that was a good part so yeah 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 um not a romantic setting 
um, because it smells so terribly bad. Right. Um, (laughs) But she's seen her mom work at this paper mill since she was in her 30s, and she doesn't want to end up like that. Right, 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 right. Well, she kind of wants what Lynette wants. She kind of mm -hmm. wants to be taken off, too, but she's not as focused as Lynette. It's not as important to her as it was to Lynette. So if she happened to find somebody who lived in town, like when Zach had broken up with her, she kind of found a rebound dude yeah. who was, uh, who also worked in the Navy. But I think he, that he was a, he was like someone who lived in the town. He wasn't somebody yeah, like who was going to be reassigned. He would eventually be a reassigned, but he wasn't not as often as like the, the students, like as soon as the students mm-hmm. graduate, they were gone. But this dude was going to be in the town. But anyway, she found herself a rebound guy. So it wasn't as important to her as it was to Lynette. Lynette was, she was going to trap a dude. She was going to pretend yeah. to be pregnant. And, and, and uh, if, if she had to, in order to force a dude to marry her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, were, were there any other parts? I think we, we touched on many of the major parts. Was there any other parts that you liked about this movie that had an impact on you? Oh, um, no. No, nothing else. Awesome. That I can think of. All right. So I think that there's some other scenes that were important that we're going to touch on in the trivia. So we have concluded our favorite part. And up next is the trivia. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And we're back with the trivia from IMDb. And I'll go ahead and start us off. I, uh, but before, I always like to tell my audiences that the, the IMDb trivia can't be suspect. I did, I did my best to kind of edit it down to where it would make sense. So here yeah. we go. <laughs> Director Taylor Hackford purposefully kept Louis Gossett Jr. living in separate quarters from the rest of the cast to further his character's intimidating presence as a drill sergeant, which is interesting because you see a lot of this with directors. Like if there are two people, even actors would decide to do this, or there are two people who are uh, supposed to be adversaries. Mm-hmm. They, they kept, they keep apart where they're not talking to each other. And something like this happened in Silence of the Lambs with Anthony Hopkins and uh, what's her name? Uh, um please help me out i can't remember her oh name. goodness nope i know not. her name and i can't think of it well i just called her what's her name for now the audience is screaming at me about what her name is right it has escaped <laughs> me but that's okay you know what i'm talking about so yes. what's her name and anthony hopkins they they kind of didn't see that much of each other when they were filming and that is because Anthony Hopkins terrified her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh and the opposite would happen. So there are times when there are people that are supposed to portray best friends in a movie. So uh they'll do they might do what happened in this movie called Project X. It's uh not the original from 1986. This is actually a party movie where these teenagers get together and they throw a huge party at one of the teenagers' mm-hmm. houses. So the director wanted the three actors to get to know each other, be comfortable with each other. So when they're acting on screen, it's believable that they're best friends. Mm-hmm. And, and so they do that. If you should see the movie, uh, they do come off as believable best friends. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they also did both those things for um, Scream. They never got to see Ghostface. They didn't ah. interact with him. Um, so they would be afraid of him when he called. And then um, on the other side, they did that for the two main characters in the Sandlot. Okay, awesome. So they had them like spend a lot of time before the movie started. And people, all, even the cast, thought they were friends. Right, Because they right, spent right. so much time together. That is how you do it. So what's next up on the trivia? It says um, Lisa Elbacher. Eli Bucker, whatever. That sounds good. Said the hardest part about doing the obstacle course scenes was pretending she was out of shape. In fact, reports were that she was in the best physical condition of all the actors. So she was killing it. And, uh, you know, I actually think it would have been better for them to just have her kill it and have uh, Daniels be the one that couldn't get over the wall. Or <laughs> right, right. One of the, the small guy. Like, yeah. That would have been more entertaining, actually. That definitely, because that's definitely a kind of predictable route to have the woman, uh, the, the weaker person in a, this particular scenario. But what's yeah. the, the only thing I found irritating about this particular uh, story point was that by the time they got to the final ox- obstacle course, like the, the last time they show it, she's still having problems getting over the wall. I yeah. feel like she would have been able to get over the wall. Like she was putting in extra work. Um, mm-hmm. She was doing pull-ups. Uh, so she should have been able to get over that wall by the time uh, she did the final obstacle course because she was training herself to do to finish that particular obstacle. Like, because she could yeah. do all of the other obstacles. The only one that was getting her in her way was a wall. I feel like after, like, they were there for, like, 12 weeks. So after yeah. 12 weeks, she definitely would have gotten over the wall. Uh, I think yeah. they played that a little too hard. I think it would have been great for him to call one of the guys Sugar Puss and just like go around. Go right, around. right, 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 right. That that would have worked too. Yeah, I think that would have been much better. Right. I think if it was made nowadays, they probably would do that actually. Yeah, yeah they definitely would uh, subvert our expectations. So up next, Richard Gere said to Barbara Walters, he did the movie strictly for the money. It wound up being his biggest box office hit until Pretty Woman that came out in 1990. So I, I guess he didn't. Right. right. I think he, I guess he underestimated how impactful this film would be. Like, he just seems pretty cocky and into himself. I don't know. I, he might be a very super nice guy, but I just feel like he always kind of playing that guy that like has all the money, has all the ladies. And just kind of cocky. I mean, he so that, might be, but that I don't sounds know the man. like something he would do. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um. So we have Lewis Gossett Jr.'s Best Actor in a Supporting Role Academy Award win was the first Oscar in that category, won by African American, and the first one for an African American in any acting category since Cindy Poitier's Best Actor. Uh, for Lilies in the Field in 1963. Yeah, he he was definitely killing it, that Louis oh, Gossett yeah. Jr. in that movie. Casting the role of Gunnery Sergeant Emil Foley was very difficult. First, none of the A-list actors approached for the part, including Jack Nicholson, were interested. Second, Mandy Patinkin, 
gave an audition that the producers loved, but director Taylor Hackford nixed their plan to cast Pentinkin. Oh, shoot, I messed that name up. <laughs> Pentinkin. That's how you say it. Pentinkin, because he felt the actor was too ethnic, quote. Uh, or he's probably saying that he's too Jewish. Because I was thinking, like, isn't Patinkin white? How is how is it too <laughs> ethnic? So I went and looked up the Wikipedia page on uh, Patinkin, and mm-hmm. it turns out he has Jewish heritage. So I was like, oh, my God, really? Did he lose his role because they thought he looked too Jewish? That's <laughs> horrible. So yeah. they thought he looked too ethnic, quote, unquote, to play the drill instructor. Finally... The producers did some research. Think of that. Some research. How about that? They did some research <laughs> in Pensacola, Florida, and learned that all of the top drill instructors were African-Americans. Oh, my God. You mean to tell me that an African-American can play a drill instructor or perhaps a Jewish person can play a drill instructor or perhaps a Latinx American can play a drill instructor? Are you kidding me? Is that possible? It's it's happening in real life. I guess I'm sorry if I'm if I'm too out there. And then they can win I got Academy triggered. Awards. <laughs> right, right. So this led to Lewis Gossett Jr. being cast for the role that would win him an Academy Award. So yeah, I, I was triggered when I read that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems crazy. Seems a little racist. Uh, and yeah. uh, we're going to get into some, into some sexism uh, later on. Uh, I don't think it's in this next one, but it's definitely in the trivia. Yeah, it says producer Don Simpson unsuccessfully demanded that the uh, ballad, Up Where You Belong, be cut from the film, saying the song is no good. It isn't a hit. The song later became the number one song on the Billboard charts and won the Academy Award Oh Lord, for best song. He wanted uh, a similar song called On the Wings of Love by Jeffrey Osborne. The song was released a few months later. It peaked at number 29 on the Billboard charts. See, I know you both could, songs. We can both read. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Don Simpson, obviously a great producer, but sucks at picking hit songs. Maybe you yeah. should just let the director figure out which songs are good. Because yeah, Up Where We Belong is, is an outstanding ballad. So uh, Paula shows Zach a photograph of a biological father, revealing that he was an officer candidate. The picture was actually of screenwriter Douglas Day Stewart when he graduated from Pensacola. So the reason that this movie is so authentic and feels so right is because the writer is an able navigator. So mm-hmm. that that was good. Um, it says Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger negotiated her own contract, no agent, before she had seen the revised script and was not happy when she found out that they would be doing a nude scene. She asked to be covered up in the scene, but was told that since she hadn't thought to ask for no nudity clause in her contract, she would have to do the scene as written. That was a very dirty trick that they did. That That's when I mentioned uh, the sexism is starting to creep yeah. in, starting to creep in mm-hmm. now because, uh, Harvey Weinstein isn't the only one. (laughs) So initially, the NPAA gave the film an X rating because of the sex scene in which Deborah Winger was on top of Richard Gere (laughs) and moved her hips in a way the censors did not approve. Naughty, naughty. Mm -hmm. Thought was given to an appeal, but ultimately, Taylor Hackford 
I almost messed up his name. And Paramount Pictures opted to move from the wide shot to a closer one, making it less objectionable in the censor's eyes. So They were probably just as mad that she was doing all the damn work. <laughs> probably. <laughs> like, sheesh. Come on. Mayo does the same moves in the bar patron, Troy, that the muggers did to him in the beginning of the movie uh, was a child when he was a child. What is wrong with me? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Where I can read. I'm getting like back in elementary school vibes. Where you have to like <laughs> read Sarah, aloud. Read huh. the next paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I didn't. I didn't recognize that. I didn't realize those were the same moves. But uh, he looked good doing them. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize that either. Right. I guess because I like, maybe oh. it wasn't like the same shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it wasn't the same angle. Maybe I don't know. I wasn't I I wasn't paying too close attention to it either. I just like, oh, he did it. He kicked him good because he's an asshole. So anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> according to Louis Gossett Jr. in his book, An Actor and a Gentleman, Richard Gere and Deborah Winger did not get along during filming and would distance themselves from each other significantly while the camera wasn't rolling. Publicly, she called him a brick wall, while he admitted that there was tension between them. Even though Gear was playing the title role and had top billing and more screen time, he reacted badly when he realized that Winger had the acting chops and charisma to steal every scene she was in, resulting in an Academy Award nomination as Best Actress. 30 years later, Gear was complimentary towards Winger when she said that she was much more open to the camera than he was, and he appreciated the fact that she presented him with an award at the Rome Film Festival. So, um, yeah, so there there was some grumpiness between them. And uh, see, she calls him a brick wall. And I think, I don't know if because he was building a character or he's just a dick in real life. And so it's kind of hard to gauge that. <laughs> but yeah. if you're supposed to be romantic partners in a movie, then maybe, maybe not be a big ball. And plus he was jealous of her. And is mm-hmm. at least he's mad enough to admit that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's the girl should outshine you in those scenes. Like that's the whole purpose. Right. And I think women in general tend to outshine men as in, you know, in acting. But another thing is that I think they, um, they focus on winger specifically because there are scenes when she's with another woman or she's with her family or she's with her mom. And even when she's around other women, she's still, you know, stealing the scene. Mm-hmm. But then again, the movie is focused on her character anyway. So it, it, I guess that goes without saying. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, well, I mean, that's the whole point. Like, that's why they put her in red. That's why when she is around him, she's all dressed up. It's to get her, get the attention on her. Um, to show why he would pick her at the end and carry her off and put the, her hat on his head and you know, and that's why they're so in love. Right, right. And that's why when she's with the girls outside of him, she has a hat on, she's covered up, she's looks dowdy. 
you know, she's supposed to look great when she's around him and still the scene, you know? Right. Yeah. She's doing all uh, the things. Yeah. All right, Sarah. I um, know you can read. I, I have confidence in you. The audience has this. confidence in you. <sighs> Go for it. Give it all you got. In a 2013 interview, Gear said that he and Gossett were specially trained for the karate scenes that they used in the basic training sequence in the film. Gear had apparently mastered the karate moves, while Gossett reportedly continued to struggle with them after being trained. Frustrated and not thinking clearly, Gear accidentally kicked Gossett in the groin during filming, to which Gossett responded by leaving the set very abruptly. He did not show up again to the set for another two days afterwards. In order to keep filming movie, uh, keep the filming movie forward, that's weird word, uh, and not fall behind, uh, Gear and the director Taylor Hackford called upon another black karate expert who stood in as a double for Gossett. So the scene could wrap up filming. Despite this incident, Gear has said that he takes full responsibility for it, even all these years later. And that is, uh, has not ruined a mutual friendship between him and Gossett. He said that he and Gossett still see each other on occasion and reminisce about how much they enjoyed making this film together. Yeah, so uh, I think we're kind of establishing that at least in his early days, Gear was kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Impatient and uh, full of testosterone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which is interesting because I guess that uh, it mirrors the shot in the groin that he took and that was filmed in the actual movie. <laughs> well, and I feel like a Lewis Gossett Jr. Um, stole the scene and every scene he's in, but he didn't have a problem with that. Well, Lou Gossett Jr. is older. Like, he's he's a master of his craft. So it's like, if he had a problem with that, then he is a problem, right? So it's like, you, yeah. you're you not going to outdo Henry Gossett Jr. when he's on the top of his game. And, <laughs> and, and I feel like Sid also um, kind of outshined him a lot. So it's like, uh, maybe you should really think about things. Right, right, right. How about uh, just just worry about you? Don't worry about people yeah. being better than you. It's not a competition. Don't think of it as a competition. You just worry about you, and you're going to be all right. Hopefully, he was better when Pretty Woman came around. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, well, it seems like he's made a man with both made amends with both Deborah Winger and Lewis Gossett. So yeah. uh, it seems like he's he's you know he's matured in his old age. <laughs> so. <laughs> The motel scenes were filmed at the Tides Motel in Port Townsend, Washington. The room they used was was still or still has a wooden plaque on the door commemorating its use in the movie. And I've heard that the the hotel has been heavily renovated, but you know they got a plaque saying this is where uh, an officer and a gentleman was filmed. This this <laughs> is where Sid died. How about that? You, you can come here and see the room that we've renovated so you won't recognize it. But still, the, it would have been right here somewhere. <laughs> come find it. Right, come find uh, it. Former Marine drill instructor turned actor R. Lee uh, Emery coached Lewis Gossett Jr. on his role as Gunnery Sergeant Foley. Emmy, er, Ermy, I think it's Ermy. 
played a tough and profane drill instructor in full metal jacket. Coincidentally, he was initially hired as a technical advisor for that movie as well before landing the role. Have you seen Full Metal Jacket? Nope. Oh, so that's awesome. It also has Vince D'Afornio. I think I said that. Oh, okay. Vincent D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio. God, that's how you say his name. I knew how to say his name. I have been pronouncing it uh, on and off correctly. And sometimes (laughs) I forget how to pronounce it. D'Onofrio. Yes. Uh, Kingpin himself. So that was one of his earliest roles. And it was, uh, he he has a very important part in that movie. how how did you find like the the military stuff in this movie? Do you find yourself watching a lot of military movies or, or not watching them or how how's your general feeling about that? I've seen a lot of military movies. Um I thought it was done well. It it seemed real if that if that makes sense. Like yeah, it, yeah. it it had that feel to it. So it feels authentic. Yeah, and um like I said with uh like reference to Top Gun when my dad was when he was still in the service and we would go visit him they would play sand volleyball it would be like picnic day and so when I saw Top Gun I thought it was about the Air Force because my dad there's planes just like the Air Force and they would play volleyball and I thought that it was based on the Air Force. And when I realized it was Marines, I was so confused because I was like, but but there's airplanes and, and dad is in the Air Force where they fly planes. And they're like, no, they have naval pilots. Right. <laughs> I was like, but, but they played volleyball and you guys played volleyball. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I realized I had way more... Uh trivia than I thought that we had time for but uh so we're going to skip most of this but I wanted I the reason I asked asked you that question specifically is because uh you really like uh, I'd really like to check out Full Metal Jacket uh just okay. because Arlie Ermey's there so Arlie Ermey he was uh there as a technical advisor for an actor that was supposed to play the drill sergeant mm-hmm. but when the directors and the producers saw him, they was like, oh, oh my God, this is the guy. This should be the, this should be the actor that plays Joe Sargent. This should be him. And so it's this same person that trained or, or was the acting coach for Louis Gossett Jr. for his role in an office and a gentleman, because, you know, that was his thing. He, he trained people how to act like they're, they've been in the military for 20 years or whatever. So that's why, like, in Louis, when you see, Lewitt Gossett Jr. That's why his movements are so crisp and why he has that expression where he, where he comes with, you know, calling people mayonnaise or, you know, yeah. <laughs> all that comes from Arlie Ernie because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that he was saying in like Full Metal Jacket, a lot of that was improvised just because that's what Joe Sargent said. They go, they call you names, uh, they try to uh, emasculate you, and then mm-hmm. at the same time trying to build you up. So, it, they're doing all of that. They're doing all of the work. So yeah, that's that's exactly. Do you think he also was the drill sergeant for um, Mr. Payne, Major Payne? Oh, Sorry, Major Payne. Major I, Payne. I have no idea who trained him. You, you talk about. Uh, I forgot his name. I just did his movie yesterday. Um, yeah, The Last Boy Scout. I not. Uh, well, I didn't. That was the last episode we released. Was the last Boy Scout? Damon yeah. Wayne. I got it. Yeah, I, I got it. It was in my brain somewhere. I have no idea, <laughs> but it was a it was a funny part. Because he he kind of feels like he's taking the spirit of 
the gunnery sergeant here. Right, right. In, in his role. <laughs> He's absolutely exaggerating it. So, yes. <laughs> but it works because it's a comedy. But yeah. uh, it, it's one of those that it's like, it, it's sort of funny, but not as, uh, not as Authentic. funny as I would like it to be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me get out this final piece of trivia. Richard Gere yeah. balked at shooting the ending of the film in which Zach arrives at Paula's factory wearing his naval dress whites and carried her off the factory floor. Gear thought that the ending would not work because it's too sentimental. Taylor Hackford agreed with Gear until during rehearsal, the extras playing the workers began to cheer and cry. And Gear <laughs> saw the scene later with the music underneath, uh, underneath it, up where we belong and at the right temple. And he said it gave him chills. And Gear is now convinced Hackford made the right decision. Screenwriter Michael Hogg, in his book, writing screenplays that sell echoed this opinion. I don't believe, he said, that those who criticize this Cinderella style ending are paying attention or paying very close attention to who exactly was rescuing whom. Mm-hmm. So, and that makes a lot of sense to me. It's like, because the character, Zach, he changes, it, it's almost like he changes his mind on the last minute because Remember, he went into the Navy because it seemed like there was something missing in his life. And you mm-hmm. and you could tell that was the main motivation because when he was threatened to get kicked out of the Navy, he said he had nowhere else to go. So mm-hmm. whatever he was looking for, he wasn't going to find it at home with his dad. He, would, he couldn't imagine uh, a life where he grew up. Yeah, like he didn't know what he was going to do if he got kicked out of the Navy. He had to go back home. He, he knew there was something missing in his life and he just didn't know what. And uh, he was basically lost. He's pushing everybody away. He's just being a dick to everybody because he doesn't know how to basically be a friend or treat people or whatever. And so it was a a collection of things. It it was him uh, basically getting that camaraderie with his with his class. It was his friendship with Sid. It was losing Sid. And then after losing Sid, he, he was threatening to lose Paula that he had already pushed away. And I think it was at that point, at the last minute, he realized that that was what was going to save him. That was what he was actually looking for. So he goes back to Paula and then, you know, he lifts her off her feet. Everybody's screaming and cheering. And then, yeah, Lynette going, you did it. You did it, Paula. Go. You got him. Or whatever. <laughs> it was just like, it almost in a bitter sort of way. <laughs> but yeah. And so it was, it was not. Uh, Paula being rescued from the factory. It was Zach being rescued from basically self-destruction, right? So it was mm-hmm. it was Paula rescuing Zach from himself. So I, I think that I think that works for me. I, I think that's how we're supposed to read this movie. Yeah, and and um, I had a thought that uh, Seeger, if she's an officer. And she has a husband that is also an officer and a gentleman, just as a thought. Oh yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I'm because she she was hanging out with one of the guys. I'm I'm sure she decided that that was going to be her man. Because <laughs> yeah. for some reason, every time I hear the title of this movie, I think that it's about two people, an officer and a gentleman. And I'm always like, no, he's the officer and he's the gentleman. 
but I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's supposed deep. to it's supposed to be describing the same person. It's a saying yeah. that people would say a lot about um if they were complimentary to their fellow officer yeah. or they, they were making an introduction, it's like he's an officer and a gentleman. Like he's and both of gentleman. those things. Uh, officers are supposed to be gentlemen. You remember like yes. in the beginning of the movie when his father, uh, Daddy uh, Daddy Mayo, was berating his son because it's like, oh, you can't be an officer. You, you have a mm-hmm. tattoo. They don't allow the likes of you because officers are supposed to be like highfalutin types. Yeah. And they have, and there's a kind of a reputation where you have the highfalutin officers and a, and a grimy enlisted personnel like the the sergeants and uh, yeah. the petty officers and whatnot. They they're all grimy in the dirt and whatnot. And the officers mm-hmm. kind of above all of that, but um, it's not always like that. It's not necessarily so. It's just kind of a belief that people have. But yeah, uh, that's why people say an officer and a gentleman because they're supposed to be one and the same person. Yeah. But uh, we have discussed. The trivia. So let's uh, head on down, see what the critics thought. So the critics' thoughts we have the critics gave it a 46%, the audience gave it a, 40, a 68% on right. You know what? I don't know if this is the correct one. <laughs> I don't know. Look, hold, hold on. Let me go and look this up real quick. Because um, I'm sure that I. I looked it up, but because I copied the uh, the reviews, the reviews are mm-hmm. right, but I'm not sure if the score is right. Hold on a second, and oh, there it is: Richard Gere, Deborah Winger, Louis Gossett Jr., 1982. Okay, so yeah, it's totally wrong. So actually, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 79 percent and an 81 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And let me see what IMDb said, because I usually like to get both of them. IMDb, an officer and a gentleman. And that one is 7.0. So I got that one correct. Somehow I didn't (laughs) copy them both. I don't know what happened. But uh, sometimes it slides to the cracks. Some things slide to the cracks. So so now that we know what the critics thought, uh, why don't you uh, give us a couple of their reviews? Jeff Andrew, timeout, uh, macho, materialistic, and pro-militarist is an objectable little number made of all the uh, all the more insidious. By the way, Hackford pulls the strings and turns into a heart chilling weepy. Um. Okay. Um. Uh, it's like it. I feels overly critical. Like a yeah. Macho, yeah, sure. Materialistic, uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, pro-militarist, is, is that supposed to be a bad thing? Uh, it's, it's not the military making the decisions. It's the policymakers making the decisions. Yeah. The military is just doing what they're told in, in, a, in a way. That it's like the military doesn't decide to, to fight in uh, in Africa. It's, they're being sent over there. So yep. I'm not exactly sure. It's uh, a hurry up and wait. Right, right, right. Uh, uh objectionable i don't know so i'll go go ahead and read the next one uh frederick and mary and brassat brassat brassart uh it's good enough reality yeah spirituality and practice an officer and a gentleman succeeds as both a magical love story and as a convincing portrait of one's individual passage into manhood there we go Uh, 
I'm in more in line with that one. Yeah. So agreed. Ginger Gar. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm about to mess it all up. Ginger Varney of LA Weekly wrote. The story is exactly as hammy as my summary makes it sound. Something of a throwback to those films from the 40s when it was the exception rather than the rule for the male lead to not like himself and gear is no John Garfield, which is, I don't, I don't know if that's accurate. I, I don't think that it's a, it was ever the rule or uh, it, I don't think it was ever a rule for you have a character where a character where or a male character that doesn't like himself. Like you see it every once in a while. Like that's kind of, uh, oh, I'm losing a name again. The dude from Die Hard, John McClane. That's mm-hmm. John McClane's thing. And uh, yeah. maybe a couple of other characters. But like if you look at most Arnold Schwarzenegger characters, he's not in a position where he hates himself or he he's down on himself. He when. Arnold Schwarzenegger's on the scene. He's he's the best that there is. Or when Jean Claude mm-hmm. Van Damme, he's a he's he's confident, right? Or any of these old school action action stars from the same era as this movie. So I don't know if I can agree with that statement. And then finally, we have Roger Roger Ebert, uh, my frenemy from the Chicago Sun Times. He wrote, An Officer and a Gentleman is the best movie about love that I've seen in a long time. Maybe that's because it's not about love, quote unquote, as a Hollywood concept, but about love as growth, as learning to accept other people for who and what they are. Ah, you know what? I, I think I, I, can, I can rock with that one. Mm-hmm. How, do, you, uh, do you have a relationship with Roger Ebert? Um... No. Oh, okay. Because uh, I mean, I used to um, watch their show uh, back in the day. Right, 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 right. And, but I disagreed a lot with them. Absolutely right. That's and that's what I mean. That's why I call him our frenemy. That that's my relationship with Roger Ebert. <laughs> so I'm always surprised when we have an agreement on on a thing. Yeah. Uh, but then sometimes I feel like he's totally off. I used to watch uh, at the movies all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've included a lot of his reviews in, in these uh, critic thoughts segment. So, oh, hold on. Let me get a, a drink of water because my throat's getting dry. How dare you? Unacceptable. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start choking and coughing. I think I can get it. Nope. It still, it still feels bad. Let, let me get through, through the final segment. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> and officer and gentlemen is of this recording available on amazon prime that's it for today next week is to be determined i'm not exactly sure what's going to happen next week but i will try to let you know as soon as i find out follow us on twitter or tiktok at backlink cinema or on facebook or instagram at backlink cinema podcast oh hold on i'm losing it mm. <laughs> and if you're on mastodon at backlink cinema at mstdn.party don't forget that you can contact us with any questions, comments, or suggestions at fanmail at backlickcinema.com. Sarah, I didn't have you do your plugs in the beginning. I'm sorry about that. Do you have? That's okay. Let's hear your plugs. So you can contact us um, at Two Chicks Talking Flicks on all platforms. Um, and it's talking, not talking. Right, right, right. Talking. Did I write talking? talking? Oh, you're letting them know. It's talking. Yeah, I'm just letting them know. T A L K I N. Yeah. 
apostrophe or sometimes no apostrophe no you... no yeah we don't have the apostrophe um just because it's too hard to do that with right 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 so and two is spelled out so it's t-w-o yes chicks talking t-i-l-k-i-n flicks, flicks. and mm-hmm. and be careful because there are some there's some similar ones out there. There are a lot of two chicks podcasts. There are yes, two yeah. chicks in a cinema. There are two chicks with guns. There, there are lots of two chicks. But you want two chicks talking flicks. I have the links in the show notes. Believe me, it matters. Oh, it does. <laughs> I, I know you've enjoyed our guest, Sarah. So please listen to her and her co-host April on two chicks talking flicks. I've been Zoe Richardson. Be safe. Share a movie from yesteryear with your family. Hug your loved ones. And if you're going to be anything, be outstanding.